Welcome to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God. Pastor Larry Sterling, we invite you to join us in a service soon. We're located at 379 Avenue A, East Point, Florida. Our service times are 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays and 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. We pray that this week's message inspires you to shine the light of Christ to those around you. There is one final sign. One, I've given you signs throughout this time. I've, I've taken you through the land of Israel. I've shown you throughout history how God has, has ordained what he is doing in, the, in that land and how that parallels with what is going on in the news right now. I've shown you over the last, over the last generation of what God has been doing in reaching Jews uh, uh, for Jesus, they're going out and uh, they're coming to Jesus Christ, and they will call him Messiah. They will keep speaking and speaking of Messiah over and over and over again. And so, the, just the the enormous revival that is coming there. That throughout since the time of the early church, we have not seen that. I've shown you. The great war that is supposed to take place. I told you about how Russia and Iran and all those, I listed those nations, and it was crazy. The very next week, Iran and Russia was meeting in Syria, which was one of those nations I mentioned. That spooked me, y'all. And even I'm the one who preached it. And and all all that along the line, the one final great war before the rapture. Last week, I spoke to you about the rapture and how... We are getting out of here. Amen. And how God's going to deliver us. How God is going to set us free. And I showed you in scripture about how we can escape the trials that are going to come. So all of that, all of that is leading us to this last final sign. And one final sign of the end of time is going to be something that's going to probably surprise you. But is going to be is going to hit, I think, America more than we like to think about. And so if you have Revelation chapter 18, verse 21, when you find it, stand with me for the reading of the word of God. Revelation chapter 18, verse 21. The Bible says, Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus With violence, the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found anymore. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, and trumpeters shall not be heard in you anymore. No craftsman or any craft shall be found in you anymore. And the sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. The light of the lamp shall not shine in you. Anymore, And the voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your sorcery, all the nations were deceived. This is very important, last verse. And in her was found the blood of prophets and saints and of all who were slain. On the earth. Let's pray. Father, before we finish this week and next week, I pray, God, that you would help me to speak, Lord, everything that is happening in the Word of God. 
and how it applies to where we are living in the world right now. Lord, I do not claim to know the day or the hour of your return. It could be tomorrow. It could be 50 years from now. No man knows this. And so, God, but we do know that the signs are appearing around us. So, Father, I ask that today your name would be lifted up. The name of Jesus Christ will be manifested as the Son of God and glorified through my mouth and their hearts. Lord, help us to receive you today. And Lord, we will not cease to give you glory, honor, and praise for all this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. The final sign that is frightening and always overlooked because we do not want to talk about it, and yet we see it every single day. The final sign that Jesus Christ is soon to return is economic prosperity. And this is what you will see throughout Scripture. You see, what you have found and what we see today is that never before in the history of humanity has human beings prospered to the level that they are prospering right now. There are merchants all over this world making money that most of us have no fathom of how much money they have. There's a guy running for president right now that's supposed to have billions. I, I, I'd like to have hundreds. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? He's got billions. So we're, we, we, we look at all of what the world is seeing around us. If you want to get elected for president, I can guarantee you, you don't, I don't care what side of other sub-issue you're on. If you want to get elected president, have a way for our economy to grow. If you had a surefire way, if you elected me as your president of the United States, some politician may say, and I've got a plan that's going to bless you, that's going to make you prosper economically, and everybody said, yeah, that makes sense. You would win in a landslide. Why? Because if you look at the polling data of our country and you ask people, what's their number one thing they are after? And that is economic prosperity. We all over the world, this is what we want. In fact, they are meeting in the United Nations right now at this moment about a, called, uh, an agenda item calling sustainable development for 2030. What this simply means is that they are looking to try to grow the, the what we used to call third world countries economically. And these world leaders are providing plans to grow these countries nor, uh, economically. The Pope has went to the United Nations in endorsing that product and I watched him as he spoke to them and he was his his point of his message uh, all that he was saying to them is he was endorsing this plan that we need to take the poor of the world and we need to lift them up we need to raise them up we need a plan of economic prosperity and they're talking about how to do that right now there's a big old sign, my wife saw it, on the side of, of the Pope's 
uh, plane when he landed. If you watch that, when he landed and everybody went crazy for him. And as he was standing there on the outside on his steps of that plane, there was a sign out there. And she, she yelled. She said, come here. And I come around and I looked at the thing and it said on his side of his plane, one world. One world. What are we looking at? We, the world right now is trying to create a one world, economic, prosperous world. They, and they're doing so in such a way that those that, basically what they're saying, those wealthy nations of the, that are in here in this room, you may have to sacrifice a little bit so that the poorer nations are going to be able to be built up. That just means us. And so where we are, read about it. Google it, Sustainable Development 2030. Read it. It's long. I read it. Read all about it. It's what they're working on right now, the UN delegations that are there today. The point is, is that somewhere in this realm, somewhere in all this time, whether it's now, 15, 30 years from now, whatever, somebody's going to solve this thing. Somebody's going to solve this thing. And I took you throughout the timeline of what's going to happen, the rapture, the three, so the bride of Christ rises. I told you that last week, three and a half year period. At the midpoint of that, they're going to say, they're going to pass a law. And they're going to say, if you will not take this mark, you will not be able to buy or sell. You will not be able to produce anything and sell it, and you will not be able to purchase anything that somebody else has produced. So unless you are sustainable unto yourself, you will take the mark. So right now, if they come over this world, if they come in America, and they say, if you, if you will not take this mark, then you cannot buy or sell. We do it all the time, every day. I'm getting my wallet out. They just passed a law, and you can't see it. It's not a design. On all these bank cards, starting next month, October the 1st, you've got to have that chip in it. You can't buy or sell if you're going to use the... If the church, if we would accept card, if we would use one of the old-fashioned credit cards or debit cards that doesn't have the chip in it and something were to happen to you, let's say you got hacked or somehow it happened, we as a business or nonprofit association will be liable. You got to hear that. So if you own a shop around here and you and your debit machines are not designed for that chip and you take a debit card and something happens to that person's debit card because you, they scanned it on your machine, what will happen is you can be sued by that person. You hear me? So you can't buy or sell without that. And that, we, It happens. It's happening around this all the time. Now listen, if you were here last week, I told you we're not going to need to be worrying about all this because we're not going to be here. God's going to bring us out. But I want you to recognize that the foundations of everything are being laid right now. 
And I want you to, I want to see you. So I, I, I hit the pause button last week. We started at the first three and a half years of the tribulation. I said by that moment in time, if your name is not written in a Lamb's book of life, you might as well forget it because it's over at that moment once the beast or the Antichrist is revealed, okay, of who he is and the power that sustains him. So then the last three and a half years are going to lead to a battle that's called Armageddon. And we will talk about that next week as we finish this thing. But I want to just for a moment spend this final time on Revelation 17 and 18. And many times in Scripture, the Bible, the Revelation, has, gives kind of like a parenthetical statement, meaning simply the story is going this way, and God inserts a, a side story to explain what's going on in the other story. And so Revelation 17 and 18 is one of those statements. So if you have your Bible sitting there on your lap, I want you to see, or go to Revelation 17 with me real quickly. So I've hit you with the day right now. Now I want to hit you with the scripture. And I'll try to be quick. Revelation 17. The Bible describes this as something very, very disturbing. Verse 1. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bulls came and talked with me saying, Come, and I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So as we look through this, there is something that is controlling this this society, there's something that is controlling this kingdom. So I want to tell you very quickly, let's say this as fast as I can. Number one, there is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Jesus Christ. When he came into this world to die for our sins, he we, we have the kingdom of darkness. We are born in the kingdom of darkness. We, we are, we have... If we would die in this state, we would die and go to hell because of we were born in the kingdom of darkness. It is who we are. It's what we were born in front of. So we're the Bible sometimes calls us the people of the kingdom of the world. We are lost without hope, without measure. But Christ had an invasion over us. He came into the kingdom of darkness and was light for all those that would look at him. That he would be lifted up to draw men to that light. That he would be the one that would rescue you and call you out and say if you want a way of escape if you want to be delivered if you want to be set free if you want to have hope if you want to be strong in the Lord he became and shined the light of God all over this world all to us so that we would be free for those that reach and grab a hold of his hand Jesus Christ said this to those that were uh, persecuting him and crucifying him and they were mocking him saying saying why don't you why don't you call your soldiers why don't you call if you're a king why don't you call them and before he got on the cross he basically said simply this my 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 kingdom is not of this world my kingdom I'm in your I'm in here I'm in the kingdom of darkness because I've invaded this place I came to this realm so that you would know 
that there is a God in heaven that loves you and wants to see you free. So my kingdom is not of this world. So what I have done is I have set myself up as a lamb that I would be the punishment for everybody that would be in this world. And I would take upon myself the sin of every person that would live in this world. And if I wanted to, I could call my angels right now, my soldiers, my armies, and I could literally wipe all of you out in a moment of a time. It would not be hard for me to do. But I choose to humble myself. I choose to stand right here and let you whip me and let you beat me and let you crucify me and let you pierce me and let let you think that you're getting away with it because what's going to happen is I'm going to rise again because sin has no power over me and death cannot keep me and the grave cannot hold me. I am greater and mightier than what you could ever imagine. You've got to believe that to be free. You've got to believe that Jesus Christ is king and he is setting people free from the kingdom of this world. And so what we are talking about is the judgment of the kingdom of this world. We are talking about what has happened. You see, what is, what is going on here is this, what is described here as a harlot, is simply saying this is somebody that seduces people away from Jesus. You see, what, I mean, the very definition of a harlot is meaning this. Somebody is married to somebody else, and she is seducing somebody away. What it is, is Jesus loves you, and the world is trying to, trying to seduce you away from your Savior. But you've got to look at what your Savior is. You've got to look at who your Savior, Savior is. If you look at Revelation chapter 1, Revelation chapter 1, this whole book is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to, to John to, to show his servants things that must be shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John. He gave this message to John. He gave this, 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 this kingdom to John. He showed them all the things. So let me show you who your king is. Your king, the Bible says in verse 9, I, John, both your brother and companion in tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. And I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. And this is Jesus. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches who are in Asia. So then verse 12, I turned and saw the voice that was speaking speaking with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. In the midst of the seven lampstands, listen, Jesus was standing there like the Son of Man, clothed in garment down to his feet, girded about his chest with a golden band. His hair, his head on his hair was white like wool and white as snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace. And his voice as, as of sound of many waters. And in his right hand, seven stars. And out of his mouth, a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was like the sun, shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I felt 
fell at his feet as dead, but I lay, but he laid his right hand on me saying, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. That is your king. Your king is the first one. And your king is the last one. Your king is the one that spoke this place into existence. And your king is the one that's going to turn the lights out when everything's over with. Your king is standing clothed as king of kings and lord of lords. Your king rules over all. And he's shining like the sun. He, he's, his hair is white to symbolize the purity of who he is. His eyes are as fire so that anybody that would try to cross him will be burned up with just in an instant his feet are like brass that he crushes all those that would stand in his path out of his mouth is a sharp two-edged sword that any that would rise up against him and speak he would just speak forth and it would be over your king is standing right now at the door at a moment in time ready to stand on that cloud and say come up here all you who are weary and heavy laden come up here all you you that, that are troubled in this world come up here and I shall give you rest that is your king your king is a, is a suffering savior your king is the one that has ruled this world and has allowed these things to take place nothing has happened that he has not seen nothing that has taken place in this world has he not already ordained and organized evil must rise in this moment but your king is going to have the last say there will be a moment there will be a war there will be trial but your king is still in control right now do not be weary do not be afraid for behold your redemption is about ready to draw nigh unto you if you look to your king praise God your king your king we are speaking of the kingdom of this world but do not allow anything to seduce you from your king That's what this is about. Your, there is nothing that this world could offer you that can compare to your king. If he needs to, he can speak manna or bread in the wilderness. If he needs to, he can send birds of the air to feed you. If he needs to, if you need, if he needs to, he can reach down and grab a fish out of the water and pull a coin out of his mouth and pay your tax bill. If he needs to, he can do whatever he wants to because he's your king. You've got to speak the faith of God and speak over your situation as God is king over all. And recognize that there will that you've got to bow to his will. You've got to, there are things that we cannot understand and we do not completely grasp, but just know that your king is in control. But what is happening now is that the kingdom of darkness is doing something very powerful. And it's trying to control buying and selling. Buying and selling. And so you'll see this over and over and over again. Buying and selling is what the kingdom of darkness is trying to control around us. And Jesus says, that Jesus speaks to us. That those that are following this harlot, 
They're being seduced by what buying and selling can do for them. They're going to be seduced by the gain that they can have from that. You see, it will have deceptive powers. It will deceive you into think that it is that it, that it's going to produce happiness in your life. That it will deceive you into think that that it's going to be there and that it's always going to be there for you. You see, money cannot buy you happiness. Money cannot buy you contentment. Money cannot buy you anything in the kingdom of heaven. Money does nothing for God because why? Because He owns the cattle of a thousand hills. He does not care about money. The thing that we would, we would most like to have would be a bank vault full of gold, and that's what they paved the streets in heaven with. Money is nothing to God. Money is nothing to God. But let me tell you, in this world, we look at this, and I want to tell you, when we get all wrapped up in our political process, you are not, and I want you, don't throw anything at me, you are not of a political persuasion. There is not a party that clarifies who you are, whether, whatever side of the aisle you sit. That is not your allegiance. Your allegiance is to Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Whether they promise you riches or gold on either side, these things do not entice us. Those things are not why we live and have our being because God is the judge over all. And the primary thing is, is his kingdom come? His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our king needs to be in control. So when we look at when we look at all these things, he, he, she is seducing the beast. She is seducing the one that's going to seduce the world. She is seducing all of this, and they are looking at all these. The the I, I could go deep into this. I just don't have time today. But she takes all there. You could see in verse verse seventeen. It says it says for God has put it in their hearts to fulfill His purpose to be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. It is put into our their mind that they're going to try to become one, so that His purpose would be fulfilled. That He's going to redeem us all. Look at Matthew six twenty four. I got to move on. Matthew six twenty four. The Bible says no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot put money as your priority. Why? Because it is the currency of the kingdom of this world. Whether it's dollar bills or rubles or whatever you want to call it, that is, God calls it all mammon. It has no value in the kingdom of God. You want me to tell you the thing that has the most value in the kingdom of God? I mean, well, there's lots of things that have great value in the kingdom of God, but one that's more, way more important than anything else you would need is faith. Faith in Jesus is going to be valuable for you. That's the currency that you need because without faith, it is impossible to please God. So your faith in Jesus, your faith and hope and trust in Christ and surrendering your life is going to bless you and help you. And you cannot serve God and money. Your decision should not be a decision of whether or money. Your decision is how will this help me serve God better? And so Jesus spends time in, the, in Matthew, in Matthew's gospel, and he goes through what we call the Sermon on the Mount, which is found from Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7. And again, I don't have time to go through all that, but let me give you some highlights very quickly. 
many things. He is talking about monetary things. Number one, he talks about anger and reconciliation. And then in the midst of all that, he says, if you bring thy gift to the altar, meaning if you're bringing something to God, bringing something to the church, and you have anger anger in your life, you need to reconcile these things. Why? Because your money is not going to do anything for me if you don't have your heart, if I don't have your heart. Adultery, he's speaking of it is not profitable. He's using terms of monetary. And when you have oaths and retaliation in Matthew 5, 33 through 42, he says, give to him that asks you, and from him that would borrow of you, do not turn away. He's speaking about just how we are to live our lives. Neighbors and enemies, if you love them which love you, what reward do you have? Sometimes you got to help and, and, and somebody that you don't care so much about. Because it's not about what they're giving you. It's not about some kind of benefit that they gave you. It's about you giving to the Jesus Christ and let him sorting it out. He talks about in chapter 6, he says about giving uh, our holiness and almsgiving. He says in verse 1 through 4, but he specifically says, Take heed that you do not do your alms before men. If you do, you will have no reward. If you're giving money so people can see you giving money, you're not going to have any reward in that. When you pray and fast, Jesus says, Thou shalt not be as the hypocrites. They have their reward. You're seeing a money thing through here. Jesus says in the prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Going on, possessions and masters, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, Jesus said. Jesus also said, "There's the, the one of the biggest things that you will deal with right now that I guarantee you 99% of you are dealing with or have dealt with this in the last month or six months, and that is anxiety because of finances. Anxiety and Jesus says, Take no thought for your life or what you shall eat. And go, he goes on, For your heavenly Father knows you have need of all these things. Going on in Matthew 7, he says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them who ask him? You see, when we get caught up on, well, we got to do this. I got to, I got to do this this way. I got to do it. I got to earn it. I got to have it. And you live in an anxious life. I want to tell you, God rewards you if you're a hard worker. God rewards you if you're working for the kingdom of God. I'm not saying that He just wants you to sit back and just let Him roll it into your life. But what I'm saying here is that when you put yourself to serving God and serving Jesus, take seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. He takes care of all this other stuff. But the world, the harlot, seduces us. It says, maybe my king isn't strong enough to provide for me. And so, we are looking for somebody to rise up that's going to solve these war problems, that is going to solve this trouble, that's going to solve this economic issue. They're meeting next month in October, I think it's 20-something, and they're going to be talking about the International Monetary Fund, the IMF. They're going to be speaking about whether or not to remove the dollar bill as a, as a, as a worldwide currency and adding something else. They're always adapting. They're always looking at this thing from an economic thing. Nobody's asking whether or not we should 
repent for 50-some million babies being aborted. No one's asking about how we are destroying the family. No one's asking what we should be doing about the poverty and those that are dying among us. No one's asking about the health care system and all the trouble that's causing people that are sick today. No one's talking about that. People want money, and that's what they're after. That's what they're going for. They want all these things. And Jesus said, if you seek my kingdom first, If you put me first, my law, my plan, my heart, my desire, if you put me first, I will change this world and turn it upside down. False prophets are around us. Inwardly, Jesus says they are ravening wolves seeking to deceive us. And then you have, the Bible says, he gives us a couple of different parables, he speaks of this. He says, there is a straight gate and there is a wide gate. Wide is the one to destruction and everybody's running down that way. And So he also says, if you build your house, don't build it on the sand. Build it on the foundation, the rock, Christ Jesus. So we see, as we have and we see all this ready, all this in us, all this taking place, happening around us. Look with me at Revelation 16. And I want you to see the final three and a half years. And I, I'll be going in just a moment here. Give me five more minutes, please. So we've come to the midpoint. They're trying, you've seen the final sign of. someone's going to try to solve this economically. They're going to buy and sell. Everything's going to be according to that mark, however, whatever it looks like. And it comes into this, this atmosphere here. And he says the last thing, the judgment. Remember, the judgment of God is now upon this land, upon the world. And so the first thing, after the midpoint tribulation, this is the great tribulation, there will be sores. The Bible says in Revelation 16, 2, that will go all over the world for all that have taken their mark and worshiped the image of the beast. And they, they will break out in these boils, these sores, these things that they will cause them great pain. It's to tell them that their judgment is coming. Then look, the second thing that's going to happen is that, is that verse 3, the second judgment that God's going to do in the second the last three and a half years. Then the second angel will pour out his bowl on the sea, and it will become blood as a dead man, and every living creature in the sea will die. Everything, everything out there will be dead. Number four, verse, excuse me, verse four. Number three, actually in judgment. Then the third angel will pour out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they will become, they became blood. And verse 5 says, And I heard the angels of the water saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and is to be, because you have judged these things, for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. So he's going to take away the sea. He's going to take away the fresh water. He's going to take it all away. Every living creature in that sea, in the fresh, in it all, will die. Economic destruction. All of it. And so what is he saying? Why is he turning it to blood? Why is he doing it? He's saying, I 
am the fountain of living water. If you come to me, I will give you drink, and you'll have need of no other water in this world. He's the living water. He's the one that's going to well up inside of you. But we have dug dry wells that have tried, and we called them of God. And he says, the problem is, is that we have killed the prophets and the saints of God over history. So he's going to pour out his judgment upon the sea and the water all around the world, literally this devastating everything. Remember, rapture's already happened. We're out of here. Just want to throw that out there periodically to remind you. So then you see this happening. Then, uh, then at some point, at some point this recedes and you go into the fourth bowl. And then it is the fourth angel, verse 8. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun. and Power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat. And they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues. And they did not repent and give him glory. The fifth one, darkness and pain. The Bible says in verse 10, The fifth angel poured out his bowl upon the throne of beasts. And his kingdom became full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. And they blasphemed the name of God of heaven. Because their pains and their sores did not repent of their trouble, of their deeds. So what you see is the sun comes down, blazing hot scorches the earth and then it recedes. We don't the Bible doesn't tell us how long because then darkness will come over this world and it will begin to overcome those that are there. But yet they're not dying because because this is a judgment. You see the kingdom of darkness is literally he's going to say you want a darkness, I'm going to give you darkness and all the pain that they're walking in is going to intensify and yet they still will not repent. They still will not repent. And then as a result, the sixth bull, you see the sixth angel pouring out his bull on the great river Euphrates and water will be dried up and will prepare the way for the kings from the east might be prepared. There's going to be, Paul, uh, excuse me, John saw this. He said, there shall be a mighty army in the east. East of what? East of Israel. There will be a mighty army of the east and they will be gathered over there in Euphrates. Now, which is the greatest, strongest fastest growing country in the world right now happens to be east met with our president china over millions uh, excuse me over 1. Point something billion people i mean we only have 350 million people in america they have 1.2 1.3 billion people in china and it says the kings of the east they're going to be coming down and the river Euphrates is going to be the only thing that's going to be separating them as they're marching down to take up to take the kingdom. And it's going, and the Bible says that this river Euphrates is going to dry up and thus opening up the way for them to just march, continue their march, march downward. Listen, Paul, I'm sorry, John saw this. He didn't know about China today. He didn't know about the humongous nation that would form there. He didn't see that. He just said they were kings and they were from the east and they would be coming this way. Then verse 15, Jesus says, Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. This is kind of a moment here where Jesus kind of steps back from the tension of this passage and tells them, you got to keep watching because I'm going to pull you out. I'm going to rescue you, but keep your garment clean. Keep yourself clean. Keep yourself washed so that you would know where I'm coming. Verse 16, the Bible says, And they gathered them together to a place in Hebrew, 
place called in Hebrew Armageddon. And this is literally a valley of Megiddo over in this over in Israel. And they will all march to this moment. And in that moment, there will be one final battle. The final thing. And then there will come the seventh bowl. The earth will utterly shake. And verse 17. I'm going to pick up right here, brother. We're going to pick up right here next week. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air. And a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven and the throne saying, It is done. So at the very end, the seventh angel will pour out the judgment of God over this final three and a half year period. At some point, all these, all these armies of the world are gathered here. Whoever's left alive at this moment will be gathered there. And I'll, I'll share more about this Armageddon next week. But the final thing says that there will be shaking all over the world. Why? Because the king just stepped out. And as the king Steps out. He'll be standing there, or actually sitting there on a white horse. And he will be out there. And we'll read about it next week. And as he's looking over the those that have gathered to war against him, as he's looking at those that have blasphemed his name, that deny him, that say they want no part of him, and then... He's just riding there, pacing back and forth. I can imagine the horse that he's on is getting impatient. And then the angel will say, it is done. And all this world, let me read to you what's going to take place. All these armies are here. And the Bible says, there were noises and thunderings and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as not occurred since men were on the earth. And now the, now the great city, which was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Then every island fled away. Mountains were not found. The great hail from heaven fell upon men. And each hailstone about the weight of a talent, men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, since the plague was exceedingly great. So in this moment, this final moment, the angel declared, it is done. The earth will begin to tremor and shake. The mountains will be brought down. The islands will go into the sea. And there will be Christ on his white horse. If you skip a couple of chapters and go to chapter 19, i just give you a little bit here. And he's going to be over there. The Bible says in verse 11 of chapter 19, Now I saw heaven open. And behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no, man, no one knew except himself. And he was clothed with a white robe, dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And, his arm, and the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses, 
And now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. With it he should strike the nations. What is describing here is in this moment, he's there up in heaven. The horse is going back and forth. And around him, all of you that have gone up to be with the Lord in the air are on white horses, washed, clothed behind him in white garments. And we are there. Our horses want to march. We're ready to go. And yet he turns in a moment. And in one moment, he will speak the word. And the moment he speaks that word, we will turn and we will ride down. And all this shaking and all the rumbling and all the trial and everything that is happening here is a direct reaction to the word of God as Jesus declares that I am king. I am king of kings. And I am Lord of lords. And there is no one but me. And he shall rule and reign for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands. No one shall ever stop the King of kings and the Lord of lords as he rides down to redeem, to save, to heal, to deliver, to set free, to remake, to deliver you. No disease, no pain, no suffering, no parting over there. We shall be free as the King of kings rides in. Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God and Pastor Larry Sterling. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.